two, three. Because we're famous for this podcast. No, we weren't famous before. Now we're famous for this podcast. It's what we're famous for. All right. And uh, great to be back. And yeah, special welcome to big friend of the podcast, Smitty Gogos. Yes, the one man blue man group. <laughs> Happy to be here. <laughs> now, Smitty, what do you think as a uh, big friend of podcast? Uh, excuse me, as a big friend of plastic. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't. What do you? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> No, sorry. I guess you're not a big friend of plastic. You're a big friend of uh, removing plastic from places where it doesn't belong. Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you about Pete's predilection uh, or his idea for how to save the world from plastic of just hoarding one's, one's plastic in your house. Oh, just, just keeping it all. <laughs> yeah, because it's like it's not doing I mean, I don't want to speak for Pete, but uh, it's not doing any harm in here in my house, I think is his idea. Like, what what's the worst that could happen if I just keep it all in here? Yeah, I just imagine it's just dependent on how big your house is. <laughs> you know, how much plastic you decide to use, you know. But that that takes care of it, though, right? If you had to keep it in your house, I imagine you would. You'd probably skew towards using less of it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's a reason I didn't even think about. That's really good. It's almost like, okay, yes. But also, eventually, this should inspire you to not use it at all because it can't leave your house. So it helps <laughs> that's it right. Too. I like that. Right. Once your house gets totally full of plastic, you have to move out, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, then the system breaks down, though, or or you have to bring the plastic with you. You got to bring it with you. Otherwise, you got to relocate. You got to get more storage. Probably bigger house. Probably a storage locker. You know, build a new house out of all the plastic. Well, there you go. But but that but that takes care of it, though, right, Smitty? I mean, like in terms of the damage that the plastic does, uh, I haven't been able. I feel like his idea is airtight, and I haven't really been able to uh, poke poke any holes in it. (laughs) Like, is the plastic if it's stored up in the house? Is the plastic doing something to the air, or is it only when it gets in the dirt and in the water and out in the open? <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a couple things happening there, man. Um, yeah, you're probably <laughs> not going to pick up anything in the air from it, but uh, if you touched okay. it a lot, if it was uh, if it was photo degrading, um, it would definitely be releasing BHPs and other things. But uh, obviously in the ocean, the problem is you have photo degradation. And then, of course, you've got chemical leaking out of it, um, you know, from salt water. So uh, not going to be the same just sitting inside of your house as it is out in the sun and the salt water. But um, I I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend it. (laughs) So it is better in there than than out in the in the wild. We get any other idea. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> it is better than any other idea right yeah, yeah well, <laughs> no but it is better than being out in the open huh yeah out in the open is definitely the worst i think okay. i think i think at least we could agree on that is being a premise so, so maybe it's a stepping stone smitty maybe we do okay let's start you off with just keep it in your house we know you like plastic everybody let's start with keep it in your house no problem keep using it we love even even be on the side of plastic at the beginning Plastic's a necessary evil. No, don't say evil yet. 
Plastic yeah. is a necessary resource in our everyday life. Don't feel bad if you use it still, you know? Just keep it. <laughs> we can, you can use it forever. It's fine. Then say, all right, no. Yeah, what would be the next step again? <laughs> well, I mean, you're not, there's certainly people reusing it. And, and you can get, you know, detergent refill stations and stuff, I suppose. You know? Right, right. Yeah, minimize buying more of it, sure. Okay. That's good. But is the wean process, I lost my train of thought somewhere in there, but I think there's there's room for wean. For wean? For weaning, weaning people off the plastic. Yeah, you sure. Yeah, like, yeah. Start with Teen, keeping it in your teenage dirt bag of, of plastic. I've actually <laughs> never heard the term wean, um, not with the ING. It's interesting. Oh, yeah. yeah. Does it work that way? I, well, I thought you were talking about like a small dog wanger or something for a minute. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> a wean? <laughs> yeah. A wean, yeah. yeah. I do nickname a lot of stuff unnecessarily. I would easily be calling, you know, small to the ground dogs weans. <laughs> well, I, I actually, you know, so right now it's funny. We uh, Last year I've been living with a big chocolate lab and a little mutt of some kind. And uh, they moved out about three weeks ago and I've got them back today. And ah. uh, somebody, yeah, it's just lovely. And somebody was Wee telling brothers. me, they said, you know, I got a Tourette's or some OCD tick because you talk about nicknaming stuff. Um, there's never been somebody else's dog that I didn't rename. <laughs> and I did, oh, yeah, I did, yeah, and I didn't realize that was a weird thing to do until recently. You know, man, yeah. It's a, as as we've discussed on the podcast, it's a total power move to rename somebody, and you do it yeah. with people too, Smitty. You you and Pete are two of the biggest nickname power move, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, guys out there. Yeah, you you rename a close friend of yours 16 times in each conversation. Yeah. Well, so for example, like this little dog, uh, her actual name is Coco and that just seems totally wrong. And after a year, her name has become Jimmy, but it was this wild derivation. It went from, you know, I first looked at it. I was just like, your name is obviously just not Coco. I know you're a three-year-old dog and you've got a name or whatever, but yeah, it's just not, that's no longer your name. So at first I would just say, Hey, ham gams. And you know, sort of like, give me that jam jams. And then it was like everything that rhymed with that. So of course then it was like, I started calling her Minnesota slims, you know, and like imagining she was some kind of pool shark, you know, and, so that was pretty fun for a while. Everyone really dug that. And then after Minnesota Slims, it became Slim Did Jim Day or Slim Jims or Give Me That Slim Jim. And then you're ripping her head around and stuff. And now it's just Jimmy. And everyone that we know, including the dog's original owner, now just calls this female dog Jimmy, uh, which is this amazing thing that happened. It took a year, you know, various wow. attempts and derivations, all of which, by the way, were perfect. Um, Man, you know, I don't know if I flipped any owners like that, Smitty. That's huge. Well, I flipped the guy's I mean, wife into calling him Walter, and his name's Tim. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. See, tough. That's not a power move. That's love. Yeah, it's love. Tough. Did you ever know? It can be both. Did you ever know Walter Tup, my buddy at SF? I knew a guy named Tim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. It's tough to say. So can't place a Walter. (laughs) This guy was Walter's a classic dude. And he's like very indignant about odd stuff. And, you know, like it's real (laughs) self-righteous. And and so older guy, a little bit older, uh, maybe like two or three years older than us or whatever. But okay, yeah, yeah. So anyway, but so Walt would just get real pissed about something like, did you see they changed the time for like the blue light special? And you're like, what? 
And he's like, God, the fucking trip's ruined, you know? So he, he would flip out a little bit. So he, we started calling him like Walter Sobchak from The Big Lebowski. Ah, yes. And then it got to yeah. the point where like new people would move to SF and like join the group and just know him as Walt for years. And uh, <laughs> which is real great. So then he married his wife, Shannon. We we were down at uh, St. Croix for it. And one of like the all time most classic moments of my life, she was like, you know, trying to give him a hard time. He wasn't getting ready fast enough. And she's like, Walter, you know, he'd yell at Walter to get ready. And he looked at me and goes, you know, man, I really still to this day can't believe that you've completely ruined my life. <laughs> he was like, my own wife refers to me as Wal- Walter and I actually hate it. Uh, oh, <laughs> everybody else loves it though so it's kind of a you know it's a trade-off oh, you know man yeah it's so it's wife. a little bit both right it's a little power move it's a little bit love it can be both things yeah, mm. yeah. pete yeah. for example uh you know named renamed my dog who's a female dog named bucket uh <laughs> right so it's a female dog named bucket but that we all call Bucket the Squad Man. The Squad Man, nice. <laughs> yeah, the Squad Man. But it's you know, a female just... dog, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's like when little Jimmy here is getting in trouble. I'll flat out look at her and go, "James," and she turns and looks at me yeah. and understands she's in trouble. So somehow she even knows the the actual formal derivation of her nickname um, and ah. responds to it, which is just an unbelievable turn of events. <laughs> like she was genuinely looking concerned yeah, yeah she's like trying to run out in the middle of the road i'm like jimmy 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 and she's like oh no i'm doing it i'm gonna try that one and then all i gotta do is go james and then she sits right down turns and looks at me and is like uh-oh i'm in big trouble now yeah so that's, that's pretty fantastic fun. yeah she's she, i mean she's got a head no bigger than pretty much like the size of uh you know, a Clementine, but uh, is actually got an IQ of 197. It's unbelievable. Whoa. How about that? How are they getting that out of a dog? I mean, I not know. how are they that smart? I'm saying how are they figuring it out? Yeah, how mm. am I figuring out what her IQ is? <laughs> yeah. Dude, yeah. I came in, like, the dog literally, like, types emails for me these days. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, just kidding. But she's a phenomenal, phenomenal creature. Yeah. The Jimmy. The Jimmy yeah. man. Didn't you, uh, didn't you come across some other dog? too smitty that did i see you like rescued a dog at some point well we were we were dog watching a golden retriever on and off for two years his name for whatever it's worth is actually wrigley because he's from chicago um but Ah, but of course wrigley became um well it it got down to diblets (laughs) which is a good name it's his golden retriever real saggy jaws so it became diblets and then one night we were talking about how funny it would be to get a baby pull and fill it up with barbecue sauce and just let the dog go nuts, you know? And, uh, and then it became McRib, uh, or you know, McRib. And every time you say that, the oh. dog starts licking its lips and thinks something's going down. So, Mac. Oh, wow. Yeah. McDib. Yeah. yeah. The barbecue Diblets, Mac man. Riblet, McRib. Yeah. So McRib. Yeah. He's still around too, but. Mackie the rig man. Yeah, his owner complained that every time uh, after like a week of watching him, I'd drop him off, he'd be three pounds heavier than when he showed up. <laughs> and so, like, and I, I denied it, of course, every time, but he wasn't, you know, named McRib for nothing. Ah, so, that's cute. You know, yeah. Good sandwich. Good sandwich. So I'm not really allowed to have him overnight anymore, but I still see him. Ah, the rib man. <laughs> Big friend of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How did we get to Squad Man? 
I think it was just uh, you know, Bucky Bucky T Squad or something like that. You know, whatever. <laughs> it's like squad Bucky, man. you know, whatever. Just starting to go off of Bucket right. and then Bucky Bucky G Bucky T whatever Bucky T Squad and then, <laughs> and then the Squad Man. The squad man becomes the nickname. Yeah. Like Bucket gets genuinely like sick or something. Like, yo, how's the squad man doing? doing <laughs> yeah, <okay?"> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and for and for the purposes of like after you know after referring to her as as the squad man, it's you got to use the male pronoun until that <laughs> until that phrase is over. You know what right. I mean? Right. It's like, that one out. yeah, man, that's the squad man. How's he doing? But you know, it's a girl. Like it's right. just you know as. Squad man sick. I'm sorry. How's the squad man? How's, how's he doing? <laughs> right. You finish out the the gender agreement. I think within this case, even though mm-hmm. even though it is nickname based, the nickname law is is can be tricky. Um, can be yeah. All right, I got one here for you, Smitty. As yeah, as yeah. a man of who we like to hear stories from, you ever smashing voices into your stories? Like, and then he goes, and then you hit us with a voice. I I, I couldn't recall. Yeah, I don't really, I, you know, I don't, I don't think I lean towards using a voice ever, but sometimes okay. you have to, you know what I mean? I don't think yeah. I'm much of a voice guy, you know, but occasionally you got to set the tone, you know? Right. Do you have like, is there like a, a, a go-to you always smash, not to, not to uh, jukebox you here, hey, do the thing, but uh, I'm just, just more curious, like, is there like a, an uncle, uh, you know, a somebody? I don't really have a go-to anymore. I'm, nice. I'm yeah i'm sure at certain times of life when you gotta repeatedly mock somebody you know or yeah something, just for your own sanity you gotta sort of develop it but for sure oh for well, sure. well, well give us one you know just give us one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you yeah, know like I, a jukebox yeah 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 so what song did you want to hear yeah uh yeah. let me tell you about little mickey tettleston third grade you know, <laughs> oh number 14 know. mickey tett well you know i know on the podcast before you guys have talked about um Cletus, you know, my, my famous Ocean City Edward. Um, Cletus. Yeah. And it's funny because, you know, his his actual name, I couldn't even, you know, repeat on the podcast, I don't think. Uh, But it's, you know, Cleet Effer, you know, but you you go ahead. Oh, yeah. You can say that all day long. Yeah. yeah, Cleet Fucker. So Cleet Fucker, um, you know, you you had to put a voice to because after, for example, we shoved Biteman through one of the walls, uh, just went straight through it, uh, destroyed the whole house. Um, Biteman. You know, Cleus came up and said, well, you know, I guess cheats come in all forms. That's real cool, man. You wreck the fucking house and you don't even buy me a cigar like you told me you would. You know, it's like, Cleus you know, fucker had to have, have you, and I'm not even, I wasn't even ready for it, but trust me, that story's better when you can picture this guy. You know, he was drinking Natty Lights at 7 a.m. and a wife beater and pounding down, you know, Marlboro Reds like it was his job. So, F, man. Yeah, but he was a great um, man, though. I love the guy, and I felt real bad we did him wrong, just just to put the record on that. You know? <laughs> yeah. Good guy, that Cletus. I feel like Tup and I ran into Biteman once a month for 10 years after college. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Saw that guy everywhere we went. Yeah, yeah Biteman. Biteman was a man about town, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, well, he's apparently he's happily married now, and I think even I, I think he's a father. The Biteman. Yeah, holy smokes, squad man. <laughs> yeah, probably probably should look into a last name change before the kid gets to high school because we saw how that worked out the last time. But you know, right. what were you guys going you, with for him? 
Do you consider running it back? Do you consider like actually cha- like I know what this is like. Like do, do I do you have do you act genuinely have to consider like ah I'll just call him something else. Give him her last name for high school. What's the difference? What's the difference? Or just for or high school, yeah. Change the pre, you know the pronunciation, you know, cuz it was B E I T, man. So you right. can just be like be it, man. <laughs> oh, there we go. Ah, yeah, you it's know, pronounced be it, man. Yeah, so it's be yeah. it, man. You know, it's not biting. Start yourself a music career. Be it, man. Yeah. With some you know? periods in the middle there somewhere. Yeah. I think you got to consider it. At some level, you got to consider, like, it's just not even worth it. Like, who cares? <laughs> who cares about the name? It. At least the music career part. Yeah. <laughs> just change it to Johnson, you know, and say, all right, it's just, you guys are going to be Steve and Carrie Johnson. Biting Sorry. Johnson. <laughs> you know, retain some of your roots and whatnot. <laughs> they can always switch it back, right? What's the difference? <laughs> You're both going to be Biteman Johnson. <laughs> it's what we're famous for. All right. Hey. Back on the podcast with the. Uh, the Hawaii native Al Smith. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, not native. We we did discover that native. You can't go back and get it. You were either native or not. But um, enough about all that. Smitty, were any uh, <laughs> any wrestling practice stuff? Was that barbaric? Like, were they like, oh, that wasn't good looking back? They made me do this or anything? Yeah, no, I was real, real terrible. Um, it's funny. Like, spit all day, all that shit, right? Like. Yeah, no. Was, right on this guy's back all day. Yeah, for, yeah. They were, you actually did have to do that at times, which is really weird that that's the joking example. But um, <laughs> um, it's funny. Do you happen to? Do you guys remember Josh Rowe? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, legend. <laughs> well, yeah, legendary because like he went to Govan as a freshman and pushed the headmaster over the bench at the homecoming soccer game or something and got expelled, which is just really great. Like but, drunkenly? Uh, no, no, no. Apparently Josh had maybe pulled some sort of, uh, you know, had a bit of a snafu out on the field. I don't know, maybe scored on the wrong goal or something. Mm. And the headmaster Gilman was yelling at him um, in front of the whole homecoming audience and was standing, you know, right in front of a bench and Josh just double hand checked him right in the chest. Oh <laughs> and the headmaster God. flew over the bench and, he was expelled within about, I think, like a, it took like a minute and a half to actually get him <laughs> off the property. Whoa. And, uh, so Josh is kind of famous for that. But uh, so this is funny. So Josh, anyway, and I just talked the other day and his wife is pregnant. and He's going to be a dad for the first time. And ah. he was like, yeah, right. And he said, hey, you know, Smitty, I got to ask you. Um, and Josh has always been a worrier. So obviously he's, it's, this isn't going to matter for another five and a half years at least. <laughs> But he said, you know, I always wished I was a wrestler. I think it, you know, develops character and stuff. But, and I just want the kid to be tough. You know, would you, would you advise that I have him wrestle? So it's funny, I got that same question. And I told him the thing is, it's probably great for you right until the point of you graduate high school. But uh, for anyone listening, having wrestled at the University of Maryland, those Division One practices are just insane. You know? Just, yeah. Just dumb. I remember you saying, Smitty, puke, like puking over your shoulder just throwing up over your shoulder while you're running the steps at bird stadium. And like the idea that you might stop to ensure that you were not throwing up all over yourself, uh, was laughable. Like you better not stop 
to yeah, to actually yeah. throw up. Don't don't stop. You you have to throw up like while you're, while you're running. running. Yeah, no, a famous incident with Coach Fitz. It, it, in fact, where I got one of my classic expressions that I've used for years, which he got on the bullhorn when he saw me pull up to continue throwing up bile. You know, I hadn't eaten in four days, and it you know you're working out four hours a day, and so we're running the the stadium steps at Bird Stadium at University of Maryland. You know, seats forty five thousand people. And I'm throwing up like mad, just straight bile. You know, it's burning. So I pull off to the side and he yells through the bullhorn, Smith, this is not summer camp for little girls. Get your ass moving or quit this fucking team. And you're like, this is just really more than it needs to be by like a lot. Yeah. So that kind of stuff was a little odd. But, you know, I, I, of course, value the experience. But I've I've always said, even if I have my own kids, um, I think I've had like long-term effects from cutting weight. You know, I was 205 pounds on August 29th um, and wrestled 157 uh, by November 15th. So um, mm. I think most of like those ill effects happen at the higher levels, but I think in that, when you guys say that's true of every sport, you know, like if you're going to try to be a world-class gymnast or a ice, right. you know, right. you know, it's right. going to sacrifice something, but you're going to sacrifice main, something. Yeah. You got to go see that doctor. Which, yeah, which one? No, the uh, Larry Nasser. Sorry, I was. It was oh yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta. Yeah, no, never mind. Um, <laughs> but you know, so I just think yeah. I think anything you sports tr- are tough for a lot of reasons. That's all I was saying. Yeah, but I, you know, I, if I had a kid who was like good at five different sports and one of them was golf or something, I'd just tell him to do it. You know. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yes. I think Larry Nasser is a golf doctor now. <laughs> <laughs> he's a swing doctor <laughs> let me get behind yeah. you and help you with your swing you're like dude listen you're famous for this and it's not good <laughs> right yeah he do, he thinks there's nothing wrong with pursuing a children's golf coach where he just strictly gets behind them like dude pick something else for your next thing once you're out of jail <laughs> which he's probably never going to be that bastard right one one would hope yeah yeah okay i am not sure yeah I did am- he definitely go to jail Oh, I think so. Oh, yeah. I think he got like 148 years. Yeah. Oh, good. Okay, good. Yeah. Yeah. This podcast is a big, uh, you know, uh, Pete and I asking other people if we would have been really good professional athletes uh, <laughs> podcast. So wouldn't, wouldn't I have been a great, uh, you know, wrestler, like, you know, whatever, a college level. I don't know if there's anything after yeah. college. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, I I get in there. At, at one point, we were considering an adult entry for me into uh, the world of wrestling, and you're yeah, going to coach me. And it was going to yeah. be a, it was going to be a thing. It's yeah. still probably worth considering. Like, tough. You should. You're. You can be a tough son of a bitch when you want to be. I think you get into UFC right now, uh, and just watch your head. <laughs> just watch your head right. and your teeth. Be, yep. Yeah. Smitty too trains embar- you up. Too embarrassing to get knocked unconscious, I think. Get knocked unconscious, just so wow. embarrassing waking up from that. You know what I mean? Like that's <laughs> Yeah, what do you do? What's the thing you do ahead of time to like make that fear go away? Oh, you just make a video of knocking yourself out in a more embarrassing way than that, like hitting your head on the table. And then that's out there and you're like, "All right, my fear is gone. I'll get knocked out by ah. a guy." That's something. I did I did knock myself out that one time uh picking up a sweater at the mansion. Oh yeah, mm. what is that? Just blacked out? I know, I hit that beam. Uh there was a <laughs> that 45 degree angle big wooden beam. Oh yeah. And I just I bent down, picked up a sweater, 
uh, stood up too fast, hit the hit my temple on the Ooh. beam, and knocked myself out. I have no idea how long I was out for. <laughs> I could have been out for three, four hours, for all I know. I, I have no clue how long I was out for, and then just woke got up, up with a beard. About, <laughs> <laughs> just went about my day after that. But yeah, nobody videotaped it, so. <laughs> <laughs> and now that I think of it, I didn't even pick up the sweater. Some other family <laughs> did live in there. I don't, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, I I didn't videotape it, so I cannot just join join the U.S. the UFC. At this point. <laughs> That's the only thing stopping you. Yeah, That's it. It's an interesting question though, because you know I I coached high school wrestling in San Francisco, and it was a uh, we ended up winning the city championship after a couple of years with the school of 160 kids. But in the early goings, the kids were like not tough kids. You know what I mean? They were all their iPads and playing video games and stuff. You know, the three of us from Baltimore couldn't imagine. But um, how I solved this problem, at least in a wrestling context, was this. The kids were brutally, oddly honest, too. And we'd come up and say, hey, coach, you know, I'm scared. <laughs> it's like, listen, man, <laughs> if, I, if I said I'm scared to my coach uh, growing up in Baltimore, he probably literally would have slapped me in the face and <laughs> to get it together. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Is that good? And, These guys are more in touch with their feelings, maybe. That's probably a good good uh, progression. Yeah, for their lives, but perhaps perhaps not for a <laughs> grappling enterprise. They're but, doomed for the sport of wrestling, yeah, of course. Yeah, for wrestling, it's a real, real problem. You don't really yeah. have a lot of feelings. They wrestle so, their iPads, yeah. Yeah, so one one time this kid comes <laughs> up to me, and he's literally like the softest kid you've ever seen in your life. Like, is almost like a prepubescent girl, you know? And he, he says... Hey, coach, I got a real problem, man. And I go, what's that? And he goes, that kid over there that's warming up across me is going to kill me. And I said, yeah, no, he probably is. I didn't say it out loud, but he was looking across at this kid. You know, you're in California. And the kid across from has neck tattoos and uh, sort of like tough, had like an eight-pack abs at 14. And so right. and this kid I'm talking to just got done eating four pork buns, and he's still playing with a graphing calculator, you know? And I'm going... And again, you know, the other kid slapping himself in the face and screaming and like, you know, just getting a sweat on. And I, it was kind of like an episode of 24. It was like that boonk, 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 because, you know, the kid's going to be on the mat in 30 seconds. And I start actually worrying that the other kid's going to maim him, you know, uh, especially given the attitude situation. So I said to him, well, you know, tell me about when George lost last week. He goes, I don't remember that. I said, what about Gennaro the week before that? He goes, I don't remember that. And I said, well, remember when Charlie ran at that kid and knocked him into the bleachers? And he goes, yeah, that was amazing. I was like, good. So no one's going to remember if you win or lose. But yeah, getting knocked out might be harder to rationalize away, you know? Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. It's a slightly more embarrassing thing. But when you're out there in a, in a what amounts to a leotard, uh, fighting another dude in public, uh, you really don't want to lose. You know, yeah, wow, I can imagine that'd be so crushing. What mm -hmm. about an update to those unis? You know, shorts and a t shirt. Yeah, I don't see why not. I'm with you yeah. on that, you know, and then more people would be get it, get some more funny weight classes in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, th I think you're on to something because it's sort of the equivalent of like when you see a guy who's 68 years old riding his street bike. And he's got all the gear on. And you're like, oh, you ride for Team Cinzano. Oh, good shit. You know? And that's, that always seemed weird, too. Like, oh, you got to cut down on your drag for your four-mile bike ride around the lake today? Like, what the hell are you doing? Um, there's probably some of that. Yeah. It's weird because uh, in jujitsu, you know, they wear those big bathrobes, uh, the gi. Yeah, the right? gi, yeah. Yeah, but then wrestling, pretty much, you know, 
a, a very similar sport, and they go an the old exact, school uh, Donald Duck uh, bathing suit is what those are. <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah, they're they nineteen are. yeah nineteen twenty five bathing suits. <laughs> oh, which yeah. also when our fathers were in high school, they went in the pool naked. Did you guys know about this? You guys hear about this? You seen this? <laughs> <laughs> what? No, I don't. I didn't know. Yeah, that. our dads were getting naked at school and going to the pool together. Oh, that's, yeah. At gym, gym class? Yeah. Uh, yes, we swam naked. Yes, what's the big deal? That's my dad. Does... No, I don't I don't think it's true. I think <laughs> that, that's not true And I think, all. seriously, a priest was the gym coach, gym teacher. Uh, I don't think this is a thing. Uh, what's <laughs> the big deal? We all, you know, you all have one. Just we all got in the pool. It was no big deal. We didn't think about it. That's my dad explaining this. Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe he doesn't know either about the fact that that wasn't a real thing, but that was not. <laughs> yeah, man, Loyola Blakefield. They were naked as a jaybird it... in those pools. Why? Well, really? Why? Yeah. You know, they couldn't bring a change of clothes. I think you just took your clothes off, got completely naked, toweled off, put your clothes back on. No, no need to get a, bring a separate thing to school. I is what I'm guessing. <laughs> Look, I'm not on board with this. I would have quit the school on site. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm. See, I have the exact opposite reaction. I'm fully on board with that. I think it's, it's, it should be perfectly fine. But I don't think it's true. I don't think that's what you know. Yeah. I don't think it is normal. I don't think it has ever been normal to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, oh no, maybe not normal, but it, it happened. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Yeah. We just mm, we we thought that was like the funniest kids. thing ever. Like, and my dad just what what are you laughing about? What's wrong with that? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, somewhere in the back of his head, he knows that wasn't okay. Uh, you know, I Maybe. think that's what's going on there. Yeah, but there was a lot of that stuff. I think a lot of just like put the baby in the shower with the husband. Maybe that's still good to go. That's fine. That that one's still this good to go. This is like a whole group of high school kids swimming in a pool naked together for no good reason <laughs> when they could easily be wearing bathing suits. It's not like bathing suits didn't exist <laughs> in the nineteen fifties. Why, why are they naked? Yeah. I guess you don't want to dirty up a new thing. I don't, yeah, you get a bunch of wet stuff. There's no, you know, I have no idea. Great question. Bathing suit. I mean, you could even just, you could issue bathing suits if you wanted to. Like you wear, you know, uh, those lacrosse shirts or whatever. Like, oh, like yeah, pennies or the, whatever. Yeah. 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 Who cares? Right. And that had, that had yeah. pictures of people's penises where they, where they would go on the outside of it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah since that's obviously part of it yeah, yeah. So, indistinguishable like, art look, that looked exactly like penises on the outside <laughs> right you pick you pick the one that most closely matches your skin color and you <laughs> yeah and if you have a small penis in real life you get a big one you get a big one for the pick oh, yeah yeah you do trades you're nice. like look dude you get to have a big one in real life give me the thing for now <laughs> yes <laughs> Okay, so they all still get naked before they put them on, defeating the purpose. But right. I see what you're saying. So they are, they are, they're all standing there naked, picking out the shorts. And, right. Uh, to put the on. priest undresses yeah. each one of them individually and puts this on. Them. <laughs> What's wrong with that? We had priests helping us a lot back then. My. Oh, you know what else they used to do, which was money? Smoke in class. <laughs> the students? I think so, yeah. Sm then the teachers. Just, oh, yeah, we, we smoke cigarettes during uh, chemistry class. Holy! Smokes. I might be making that up. Chemistry seems like <laughs> the worst, the worst one to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were getting naked in chemistry class too. They <laughs> amazing uh, Bert Dyer chemistry story class for you. Uh, oh please! For, yeah, for middle school. So uh, one day we had a wait, it, a maintenance guy climbing up a ladder, like a step ladder, 
and he was taking uh, one of the roof panels, you know, ceiling panels out. And uh, Bert looks at me and you know, those red fireworks that have white strings on either side. Yes. Yeah. You just pull the strings or uh-huh. whatever. And it's rather loud. So anyway, he had seven of them balled up. He said, I'm going to do it right when the guy gets to the top of the ladder. And I, I, told him, I said, Bert, listen, outside of a gutter and knife, fireworks in school is like pretty much just you're just going to get, you know, suspended for sure and almost certainly expelled. So just literally don't do that. <laughs> and Bert Dyer literally just was licking his chops. Guy gets to the top of the ladder. Bert pulls it. Dude, of course, he just eats it off the ladder. <laughs> you know, just lots of burners and stuff everywhere. The guy thought there was a gas explosion and that he was going to die. And uh, of course, Bert just stands up and Miss Cameron, I'll, this lady I'll never forget, goes, Bert, what on earth do you think you're doing? He goes, I'm sending myself to the office. And he stormed out of the class and she chased him in the hallway. And all of us, including the maintenance man, sat there in stunned silence for minutes, wondering like what was going on between them in the hallway. You know, was Miss Cameron beating him up? Was Bert like getting dragged by the ear? But yeah, he he, uh, he sent himself to the, to the principal's office. So <laughs> it was a really good day. Oh, man. One of maybe maybe uh, well maybe he had already done that fifty times, but sending himself to the office just became like his greatest pastime. <laughs> his his ability to just send himself out of, of a classroom after having done something like just you know stupid stuff in high school, just like whipping oh, oranges yeah. around while the teacher's back is turned, and like of course Bert. Bird is the one to like whip the orange at the wall and have it explode. And like before <laughs> the teacher even turns around, he's already picking his stuff up to go send himself to the office. <laughs> it's it's uh yeah, it was a, a real talent that he had. Some oh the best best guy ever. Sweet, sweet uh, guy. Unfortunate that he, he just couldn't control himself sometimes, but a sweetheart. But uh, weren't, weren't you telling me one of my favorite just stories about anybody? It doesn't even have to be about Bert. Was that he was at uh, Loyola and put his shoes up on some fancy leather couch, and the uh, headmaster, Mister Stewart, or something said, "Bert, take your shoes off that couch right now." And he, put, he took his feet down dutifully, un- unlaced his shoes, took his bare feet out, and put his bare feet back on. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Put his bare feet out. <laughs> and, when, and when Mr. Stewart yelled at him, it wasn't his reply, something along the lines of, well, it was my shoes that you told me to take off the couch. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Uh, and and he, I mean, uh, he, Mr. Stewart, the disciplinarian at Loyola, still, his relationship with Burt Dyer is probably one of the, like, three most impactful in his life. Yes. That's That's a guess. But, like, he still tells, like, Pete's older brother it, it worked at Loyola for many years. And, the, you know, the two of them were in a, in car rides together. And he would just talk about <laughs> Bert Dyer. Yeah. The, the impact that Bert... I mean, they spent every Saturday together for, you know, whatever. However, he loves however Bert. Like he loves him That's to death. That's phenomenal. He loves him, yeah. It's, it's a really... It's a wild uh, kind of relationship they developed over the The years. worst behaved kid is like has more of a soft spot in that man's heart than his own grandkids or kids definitely you know definitely he hates hates his grandkids <laughs> oh yeah Wish they would. That, yeah that has more to do with his piece of shit grandkids <laughs> <laughs> well i think it's a thing of like don't you need your like equal match in life to really have like a lasting yeah. friendship thing you know right you've met right. your match yeah you met your match you know what i mean 
It's what we're famous for. Any close calls out there climbing, Smitty? Uh, not not climbing here in, in Hawaii, but um, certainly in life, you know. Um, most of the stuff out here that's been scary has been ocean-related, of course. Uh, okay. Climbing climbing the ocean. Yeah, yeah. climbing the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, what, like cliffs? You climbing cliffs up near the ocean? Uh, no, we don't. There's, no, you know, because it's all volcanic here in Hawaii. There's not a lot of good climbing. Oh, did you just be climbing, like, potential lava? Like, as if there isn't enough with when free soloing, Alex Honnold grabs a big piece of lava. Yeah. Yeah, just yarding up on a molten hot block. Yeah. <laughs> God, that sucks. Yeah. He's totally calm about it. He's like, yeah, this finger got burnt off completely by some lava, but it, it's fine. Like, I don't care. <laughs> I don't even care. Yeah. That's weird. What do you guys make of uh, of Honnold and, and free soloing, uh, given that you're not really climbers? It got me into the sp- – well, the 60 minutes is what really got me into caring one bit about climbing. Um, the 60 minutes with Alex Honnold – and uh, that other like famous climber. Now that right there, that's world class or whatever that whoever that guy was. <laughs> sure, <laughs> sure. Yeah, is that who that Shaquille was? Shaquille O'Neal. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big fan of Arnold. Well, um, it's funny. <laughs> I have not even watched the free solo of the Nat Geo movie or whatever, and ah, oh, you got to watch that. Too. Yeah, people keep telling me that, but you know, it's funny because I've been on the side of Al Cap plenty of times. And uh, we actually, I knew Alex Honnold, not closely, but the funny thing about Yosemite is it's, you know, the every climber stays in the camp, same campground called Camp 4. And yeah. so you're just like camping with 40 other people. And of course it's Alex Honnold and Dean Potter. And so it doesn't make you cool to know him. It's just like, that's literally, you're sleeping in the same patch of dirt. Right. And the weird thing about the movie. You, you, you met, you met Dean Potter. Oh, so Dean. Before, well, he, yeah, Dean Potter was uh, like I literally consider him a friend. And what's funny about that is like that guy uh, when he was working Yosemite Search and Rescue, and not just there for fun, he would he would stay through the winter. Um, it's a pretty solitary existence, you know. There's like four or five guys that work full time for Yosar, and so he would just come over in Camp Four and like walk over to your picnic table and be like, "Hey, what's up, guys? Like, what did you climb today?" And you're like, "Uh." do we lie and say we're not terrible climbers or like, what, what, how's this going to go? Right. And so he was, he was just like a jovial, funny, nice guy. So he recognized me and like, you know, I was going there two or three weekends a month for seven years. And so I knew Dean, it was weird because when he died, um, a lot of people like text messaged me like, Oh, I'm sorry. And I'm like, dude, I, it's not like I talked to him on the phone. Like he wasn't a true friend, but that sort of hit home. And then, um, you know, Alex Honnold was coming up and I probably met Alex the first time when he was 15 years old and super sweetheart guy. And like, you just watch what he's doing. And I think in a way there's a sort of aspect of if we're filming this and we're, you know, sort of putting, lauding all this praise on him, is he not going to keep pushing the envelope further and further until he meets the same fate as, as Dean Potter and John Becker before him. And so I'm almost in protest of not watching it because, you know, free solo should be like this individual thing. You know, you should be doing it for you. Yeah. And I mean, Dean, Dean Potter, 
Dean Potter died doing kind of a squirrel suit thing, though, right? Yes, uh, Dean Dean Potter died uh, squirrel suiting through the Taft uh, Point Arch in Yosemite, but um, he was w- he was with a guy who was a little less experienced. And Pete Pete and I were just talking about the squirrel suiting thing not too long ago, but uh, and I I actually said, which is weird because I think it's true of Dean Potter too. And and correct me if I'm wrong on this, Smitty, but he had like premonitions of. Uh, of his death, and he he had premonitions that he was going to die falling somehow, one of some somehow some way, and yet that just made him want to do this kind of stuff more. But he he was he died doing the squirrel suiting thing. He was with somebody who was a little less experienced. Maybe it seemed like maybe that guy did something that could have chopped up the air, created something, and then he he, he kind of wound up smashing into a uh, a piece of lava you know, a, a, a rock structure <laughs> yeah right? yeah do and, i have that right so yeah and it, no it's exactly right and um so this the stories that came out of like was it graham's fault um did he sort of last minute pull away from the wall and create a thermal you know and, and drive dean off course as well yeah and i i think it doesn't at the end of, at the end of the day it almost like doesn't matter because sure um sure. and i know and i know that's obvious but What's interesting is for the, and I, I also haven't watched Valley Uprising and these other things, but, you know, knew all of the players in the, in the game. And um, one of the things you had when you were in Yosemite all the time or in that Northern California area, if you were a climber, is a lot of these old climbers still lived in Northern California and would do slideshows, you know, so you could go meet them. Um, and it was usually free events at like the Oakdale Community Center. And you're like on your way out of Yosemite on a Sunday. And you're like, oh, my goodness, it's Jim Bridwell, you know, the first guy to do Everest without oxygen and blah, blah, blah. So you you would you'd meet these people and talk to them. And what was funny is free soloing started outside of, of course, people climbing since they were, you know, Neanderthals. But real free soloing in a modern context started with John Backerdown and Joshua Tree. And John Long, his friend, said to him, you know, we just climbed double cross this perfect five, eight hand crack and said, how many times out of a hundred? And I tell, I feel like this is something that you would do. And Pete would probably goad you into um, just how like, you know, young men are want to like take the next step and press themselves. But so on double cross backer uh, had floated it. And John said, well, how many times would you fall out of a hundred if you climbed it with no rope? And, Backer looked at him and said, well, zero. There's no way I'd ever fall out of that crack. You know, I have it dialed. And John Long said, all right, we'll prove it. And, you know, and this was in 72. And then the whole free-soling craze started because, you know, monkey see, monkey do. Once one person proves it's possible, it keeps going. Mm-hmm. But John Backer died on an easy climb in his own backyard at June Lake and in Mammoth Lakes and just, you know, to the east of Yosemite on a climb he had done hundreds of times. And at 58 years old, he fell and died. And then Dean Potter sort of took up, you know, others as well. But Dean was sort of the next flag bearer for free solo. And even though he didn't die free soloing, we said, well, that guy's definitely going to die. And now there's Honnold. And so he's going to die, you know, if he keeps it up. And I. Man, that would be so terrible if if he died. Not that it's I mean, only because I'm more familiar and I feel like more connected with Alex Honnold than then Dean Potter, although I I I was, uh, I was following Dean Potter before he died, also, but just not to a lesser degree. And I, you know, Alex Honnold, to your point, he, we've kind of like seen him come up doing this. It'd be so tragic. Yeah, he's like everybody's little brother. You know what I mean? 
He invented it for like people like me who would not ever care about climbing, but like he made it interesting. Right. And and I think and there's an interesting thing here. I because you know, Backer was interviewed in something like 1982 for like Wild, Wild World of Sports and he, you know, they interviewer asked him, you know, by you doing this and you free soloing, are you not worried you're going to encourage other people sort of like goad them to their deaths, you know, to follow in your footsteps. And Backer said, and I can tell you this is true. If you go up, you're going to think you're cool. You're going to think you can do it. And you're going to go up 30 feet and you're going to look down and you're going to go, you know what? I'm not doing this. And you're going to climb right back down. And so I worry less that Honor is going to like go to other people to their deaths. And just that we're going to watch somebody who's a hero for their ability to control their own mind and emotions. Um, sort of pushing the limits as well in sport. Um, who's so young die so that the circus could enjoy it. You know what I mean? And right. Um, so, so it's a, it's a, it's a complicated thing, you know? I do like the moral question you have there, like protesting it, like by everybody watching and buying into all this, like he's a product now and then he has to keep going or something. Yeah. But really. He's just going to kill himself. Yeah. Cause you got to keep doing the next hardest thing or the people and the sponsors get bored. Right. And right. I don't think from knowing him at the time he was 15. And again, like my relationship with him is acquaintance at best, but I had full blown yeah. conversations with the kid uh, over multiple years. It, it, it definitely seems like this media attention, he would never have sought. It's just not who he mm -hmm. is. But now that it's on him, of course that pressure is there no matter what. Right. And he's, I, I have him as a guy who could completely walk away or at least from like turn off all the computers and just go hike somewhere else in some other country. I feel like he, if anybody could do it, he could. Yeah. Well, and his, his mind yeah. is like that backer. The guy that started it all was brash and arrogant and loved the attention. Dean Potter, of course, you know, his mother was a native American Indian. His father was a fighter pilot. And the joke on Dean Potter is of course he was a spiritual dude with, you know, supernatural ability to stay calm, you know, from that parentage. And Alex Honnold's this sweet, uh, you know, sort of like not of this earth, you know, once in yeah, a lifetime right. mind. Exactly. And so they've all had different personalities, you know, and so it's, it's tough to say where it would push Alex to or what's going to happen to him. Um, but I do know that well, what he's yeah. doing is very, very, very much at like the absolute limit. And if that's right. where you're at, it doesn't take much to fall off a, an, a ledge that's, you know, the width of a vertical dime. Um, right. to have your fingers slip off that and, uh, and to die is, is, you know, more likely than it is not. So, uh, right. I worry about the dude. It's, it's weird. I, I, yeah. I feel like if we got together a GoFundMe to have Alex Honnold never free solo again in his life, I think we could get $5 million of contributions to have him never do it again, but he still would probably do it. Yeah. Well, and a great point. And so to sort of bring it to a comical point, um, you know, so every climber, we tried that <laughs> well, every, every, you know, every every climber in there um, who's serious about it, who climbs outdoors and climbs trad climbing and everything else eventually has to confront this idea of like, am I a real climber if I have not built my mental mastery to match my physical one? If I, mm. can I test myself without the rope? If I sort of reach that level or whatever. And so I 
personally went out and I climbed the same route in Yosemite three times uh, without a rope. And this route is, to call it a route, it's like funny. You know, it's like five easy. But it's a full 80 feet off the deck, lower angled, Yikes. and it has a beautiful crack. So I got to the point where I was taking, you know, San Francisco banking clients out to Yosemite for the weekend. And this was like my go-to climb to take them up. So I'd done it 20 times a season and whatever. Knew where every single hold was, would never fall out of it. That same back or long conversation uh, in my head and going, yeah, I would never fall off this. I'm just going to do it. So the first time I did it, I did have that. And you just, the beautiful thing about free solo is you're in the zone from the second it begins. You know what I mean? There's no. Gotta be. Yeah. Yeah. And it, not because you've, you know, visualized before and ate well that morning, but because your know, human instincts and adrenaline just says, you know, you're paying attention now. And it's this otherworldly experience. I got to the top and, you know, it was just beside myself with joy. And again, this is so easy. It's like climbing a ladder. It just happens to be, you know, rock and tall. So I go back like four months later and I'm like, oh, you know, I'm going to make sure I still got it. You know, I've been working a lot. I haven't been working out and got two thirds of the way up, almost slipped and was like, I'm never going to do that again. That was the dumbest thing of all time. I could have died for no oh, reason. Oh, man. And the third time that I went to do it, um, was sort of like taking a foul tip instead of a third strike. And I had gotten up this thing and it was early season. It was like May, you know, April or May. And it's a crack climb and the whole water runoff and cascades from high Sierra snowmelt had come down and formed moss inside a crack that you couldn't see from the base. And I'm two thirds of the way up the thing, you know, I'm 55, 60 feet off the ground and feeling pretty proud of myself and I get to the last crack section and it's completely mossed out. And I'm just, you know, sort of glazing out of the thing and um, really had sort of that come to Jesus moment, got to the top, took my shoes off. I think I was even like teary eyed and hyperventilating. And I realized it was like, you know, you could have just died for absolutely nothing. And yeah, there's some poor public servant would have to call my mother and go, your son's dead because he's an idiot. <laughs> you know, like, yeah and so i never i never tried that stunt a free solo ever again um being like well that was that's a been, solid career yeah should have been my third strike and instead i foul tipped it and uh i'd like to go to the dugout now <laughs> right i'd like to retire after a foul tip sorry you, you know the rules of baseball <laughs> you know no i you don't know the rules of life here my friend um ah glad you made it yeah. smitty glad yeah, you stuck thanks. around yeah, yeah me too. for sure um, well, Smitty, I think thanks so much for joining us, man. I, th I mean, I, th I know. Thanks. I'm saying, I think it's time to go and therefore thank you. Not, I think thanks. Yes, exactly. And thank you. I uh, know <laughs> pleasure guys. Great, great talking to you. Yeah. Love yeah, you, man. Really nice stuff. Smitty, everybody check out Smitty on, um, what are you on the beaches? Like a city councilman. What's going on, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Still serving, uh, <clears throat> In my local government here in Hawaii, but uh, Al Smith, Hawaii, man, check it out. The beach, everybody, get out and do it. Climb a rock, and yes. don't die. Please check that out. This man is uh, out there saving the environment single-handedly. So, if you want to send him a message, write it on a piece of plastic and throw it out in the ocean. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Modern day message in a bottle. I do yeah. accept. Yep. <laughs> yeah, he will find it. Yep. Yeah. Thanks, Smitty. Good angle. Love you guys. Thanks for having me. It's what we're famous.